for Radio 1 91FM podcast. The war on Ukraine is far from over, with Russian forces pulling in more troops by civilian enlistments and the President Vladimir Putin recently announcing that Russia is annexing four regions of Ukraine. There has been further mentions of the possibility of nuclear-armed deployment. To speak about us on the war in Ukraine and to answer some questions on the current situation, we are going to be joined by academic fellow and politics lecturer at the University of Otago, Dr. Peter Grace. Kia ora, how's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. So, to start off, recently Putin declared that four Ukraine regions were now Russian territory and the biggest land grab we've seen since World War II. Would you consider this to be the greatest escalation in the war so far? Uh, well, no. No, no, I wouldn't. Um, well, as far as nobody actually recognises the annexation, most uh, countries in the world have come out saying that they won't recognise it. Um, so it's a bit of a joke, really. Um, Russia lost control of part of it uh, just the day after having annexed it. That was an alignment. And it does look like uh, the uh, Ukrainian push... Um, that they've been doing the last few days is, is actually escalating in itself. So, so if there was uh, an escalation uh, in the war, so far the greatest would be the Ukrainian counteroffensive itself and in itself. Uh, and in itself. Um, this is just making Russia look very weak uh, and out of touch with reality, uh, and it's pretty damning as far as that concerned. Right, and following this annexation, Ukraine has officially applied to join NATO. Why is this only happening now? And um, how, why is it that Zelensky didn't decide to join the alliance as soon as the invasions began? Well, it was never a matter of Ukraine deciding to join NATO. They've got to apply uh, and they've got to be considered. And it's a reasonably lengthy process. Uh, Sweden and Finland have both applied some months ago. Uh, and there's been a pretty good response so far, but uh, they haven't got all of the members of NATO to agree that they should join yet. Uh, and Sweden and Finland are highly likely to become members because their militaries will be considered to be very useful to NATO. Uh, Finland in particular has got a very modern, very sophisticated fighting force, not a very big one, but, but particularly uh, adept at guerrilla warfare. Um, they've been expecting the Russians to invade again um, for many years, and they're a very well-prepared military. Uh, and Ukraine is now considered to be a very modern uh, fighting force as well. A lot of um, Western commentators, I mean, Matt Ryan yesterday said Ukraine's probably now the country that most understands uh, modern warfare. Uh, and that wasn't demonstrably true at the beginning of the war. Uh, at that point, the West was very wary about helping Ukraine at all. Uh, but Ukraine's really earned its stripes, uh, and obviously no Russia has the West behind them. Uh, so it's unlikely to be, have been admitted to NATO at the beginning of the war, but it's highly likely to be um, considered in the future. But a lot of that depends on how peace is achieved, uh, when it's achieved, and how strong Russia might be when the negotiations the end of war begin. Uh, following the annexation, uh, Western leaders were very quick to condemn the move and to state that they'll never recognise Putin's new borders. Uh, but with Ukraine on the way to becoming a member of NATO, uh, oh, sorry, um, I think it's um, highly likely that um, 
uh, it will um, probably join. Um, but the, the next big problem that they've got um, is uh, with NATO's Article Number Five. But, uh, Article Number Five is where attack on one member is considered to be an attack on all members. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a huge guarantee. New Zealand doesn't have anything like that. We didn't have anything like that when we were with ANZUS. Uh, we certainly don't have anything like that with our relationship with Australia, which is our only ally. And countries that make guarantees like that are very wary about drag, being dragged into wars that they don't want to be involved in. Um, but NATO was um, designed as a collective security agreement uh, when Europe was really worried about Russia or the Soviet Union then possibly invading Europe. So Article 5 was, a, was an important guarantee at that point. So if, if Ukraine had joined NATO before the war, it's highly unlikely that the war would have happened. Um, but uh, for the reasons I gave before, um, Ukraine wasn't a member of NATO, so Russia saw its chance to attack uh, and hopefully grab Ukraine before NATO could respond. Uh, it's that's what we call a fait accompli warfare. You take uh, territory by force and then everyone says, too late to think about it now. You can't roll back the clock. Um, and we saw, we're seeing a little bit of that kind of language coming out um, with um, Elon Musk uh, today, uh, where he said, um, you know, uh, don't give Crimea back. If, if, even if, if, um, if uh, Ukraine was to try and find some peace of agreement now, don't give Crimea back. You know, Crimea's lost. You're not going to get it back. Uh, but you know, that would have also happened in eastern Ukraine if the Ukrainians hadn't fought for the last eight years to try and prevent the Russians grabbing that as well. Um, if you're not in a big security uh, group like NATO um, and you don't have Article 5, you've really got to go it alone. Uh, the saving grace for Ukraine is the West considered the Russian invasion earlier this year was the beginning of an attack on the whole of Europe. Right. So um, with Ukraine, or once Ukraine joins NATO, will this actually mean that other nations in the military alliance will have to stand behind Ukraine and declare war? Or is are you saying that there is likelihood? Yeah, that that um, if, if, if Ukraine joins NATO, as, as with Finland and, and Sweden, um, the expectation is that if they get attacked by Russia, uh, that the whole of Europe will join against uh, Russia. And as I say, um, that was what was giving the Europeans cold feet at the very beginning was they just uh, weren't keen to be dragged into a, what they saw as being a, initially as being a, a localised skirmish, a localised war. Uh, they didn't want dragged in. But the minute it became obvious, it became obvious to the Baltic countries immediately. Um, but the minute it became obvious that Russia could be unstoppable or, or would, would refuse to stop after it uh, annexed the whole of Ukraine, uh, then it became a, a European security issue. Um, and so, you know, that's when they started to think a little bit differently about it and the weapons started to fall around. So how likely is it that we will see the deployment of nuclear arms in this ongoing conflict? Um, what's the question? So Putin came out the other day and said that he'd use nuclear weapons if there was a danger to Russia's territorial integrity. And, and people have, a lot of people assume that that meant that if the Donbass or eastern Ukraine was now annexed to 
to Russia than any attack on Eastern Ukraine, the old Eastern Ukraine, would be met with a nuclear response. It's kind of clever if you think about it. You next the country and you say it's ours, and then you say you attack it, and you're attacking Russia. There was a talk yesterday that the train was carrying a special brigade of Russian nuclear forces, and that was on the move. There was some concern then that Russia was starting to deploy its nukes. Um, but then somebody said, well, that actually that um, particular brigade um, exercises this time every year. Uh, so it's highly likely that what Putin was doing was being deliberately ambiguous um, to try and send out messages that we might be doing something in order to scare uh, everybody. I think the nuclear war professors who I follow um, are saying that uh, Russia's using nukes is more likely than before. But they're still only considering that a move from unlikely to a very low possibility. The main argument is whether or not Russia is going to be cornered like rats and lash out with a low-yield nuclear bomb, and maybe something that will be a demonstration in some part of Ukraine away from military or civilian infrastructure, um, not necessarily a part of the fight, and blow it up in some rather desolate part of Ukraine and just say that's what we can do. Um, but exactly what the threshold is and where this Russian president might be justified in using nukes is a bit vague. Russian military doctrine says that they won't say, be the first users of nukes and that doctrine's really well embedded and, and hard to shake when you've got doctrine that says that that's the rules. And moreover, China has the same no-first-use doctrine. So they're not going to be very impressed with uh, Russia breaking that uh, and panicking and using nukes in a panic. So if Russians use it close to their borders, there's blowback is another possibility. The likelihood Russians will feel the effects as the wind and rain maybe blows all that radiation over the border. There's no real point in doing it so close to their own uh, territory. And the U.S. is debating right now whether or not there'll be some sort of punishment, what kind of punishment it would be if Russia used nukes. Uh, General Atreus is retired now and, and not exactly, uh, probably nowhere near at that, um, uh, a spokesman of U.S. Um, uh, policy said yesterday that uh, the U.S. would use conventional weapons to destroy Russian military forces in, uh, in Ukraine and, and maybe even sink the Black Sea. And I think it might have been Jake Sullivan who said that Russia would definitely be disconnected from the uh, world economic system. So the Americans are talking about some kind of really heavy, much heavier than what they're doing now, response to any use of nukes. Uh, and, and what we saw this morning was uh, Russia's uh, PR spokesperson, Dmitry Peskov, playing the whole thing down and saying, look, you know, um, not, we're not that serious, and, and just because other people are talking about it doesn't mean that we are thinking about it. So I think this what you're seeing now is the, the Russians starting to backtrack from that heavy use of language. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.